1: This episode is from the WhatsApp Arling Palipunan Rebooted podcast. If you like what you hear, follow WhatsApp on your podcast app for more weird and wonderful stories from Philippine history.
0: So if there's one thing Sab and I agree on, it's chocolate.
1: Dark chocolate, white chocolate, tablea, brownies, that movie chocolate. give me chocolate straight into my veins.
0: Considering the amount of chocolate decadence cakes and boutique chocolate shops popping up everywhere... It's clear that most Filipinos love chocolate, which isn't surprising. Tablea is a specialty product of provinces like Batangas, and different kinds of chocolate were even mentioned in Jose Rizal's Tangere. Cacao, the raw ingredient of chocolate, grows right here in the Philippines. And
1: even more than that, our chocolate culture is thriving. Filipino made chocolates are drawing attention and winning awards all over the world. So today, we want to talk a little bit about the history of chocolate and how it came to the Philippines. Because it has a lot to do with our secret ties to Mexico.
0: And you'll hear from the owner of an award-winning chocolate company based in the Philippines and bringing uniquely Pinoy flavors to the world. So
1: break out the tablea, the curly tops, or the single-origin small-batch bar of your choice because this episode is gonna make you hungry.
0: Welcome to WhatsApp Araling Panipunan Rebooted, the podcast that looks at Philippine history with fresh eyes. I'm Siege Tentenko, reporter and history nerd. And I spent a significant amount of my baon on Flat Tops Chocolate in school. And I'm Sab Schnabel, a
1: historian and a comedian who has worked for Carlos Saldran, the National Museum of the Philippines, and the Guggenheim in Venice. And I used to be allergic to chocolate, but then I ate so much anyway, so now I'm immune. Oh my gosh, I want some now. We'll get there. For now, let's get into the history.
0: So let's start with the pearl of the orientation. Where did chocolate even come from? Chocolate can be
1: traced all the way back beyond the Mayans to the ancient Olmecs of southern Mexico.
0: That means that for nearly 4,000 years, people have been drinking chocolate. Because chocolate wasn't initially consumed in bar form. Originally, chocolate was a drink much like our chocolate.
1: We in the Philippines actually drink something pretty close to what ancient Mesoamericans drank. The Olmecs were the first to take the fruit of the cacao tree and use the seeds to make into a drink, but it was mostly used for rituals and as a medicine.
0: The Mayans, the civilization that rose after the Olmecs, also drank chocolate. They mixed it with chilies, water, and cornmeal and made a frothy drink called chocolatel, which means bitter water.
1: They were probably drinking it for its stimulating properties, The Aztecs took chocolate appreciation to the next level using cacao beans as currency. They were
0: supposedly worth more than gold.
1: You can't eat gold, but chocolate is a huge part of Mesoamerican and South American culture. The Latin name for cacao tree is Theobroma cacao, which means
0: food of the gods. So that's how chocolate came to be. But how did it get to the Philippines? The short answer? The Spanish.
1: The first chocolate seeds were brought to Spain by Hernán Cortés after his conquest of Mexico. And the chocolate drink made with the seeds seduced Europe with its deliciousness.
0: The problem is that chocolate only grows in the tropical belt, so they couldn't grow it in Spain. With the steadily growing demand for chocolate, they needed places to grow it. But Spain had an ideal place to grow it. Their colonies! Dun-dun-dun!
1: The first cacao beans were brought to the Philippines sometime around the 17th century. There's not a consensus on when the exact date was, but we know it came through on the Manila-Acapulco galleon trade.
0: We've all heard a little about the Manila-Acapulco galleon trade in school.
1: Here's how it worked.
0: Trade goods would come from Manila, like silk, mother of pearl, and porcelain, and would sail to Acapulco. The goods would be taken overland to Veracruz, Mexico, and then brought to Spain. The Spanish paid for these goods with silver from their colonies.
1: This was one of the very first global trade routes and connected Europe to the Americas and Asia.
0: The winds in the Pacific work like a big circle. So if you want to get Southeast Asia from Mexico, you catch southwesterly winds that will blow towards the Philippines. These ships would sometimes pass by Guam and the Marianas Islands along this route. And to go back to Mexico from the
1: Philippines, you take the northeasterly route up near Japan that will take the ships down the coast of the U.S. and back to Acapulco.
0: Each galleon had to be escorted by armed ships because galleons were so valuable that they were constantly under the threat of pirates and other powers like the British, Dutch, and Portuguese. Those ships Jack Sparrow was going after? Probably galleons. And when they talk about the Spanish
1: main in those movies, they don't mean Spain. They mean the mainland of the Spanish colonies, like Mexico and other parts of what is now South America.
0: Even the currency called Pieces of Eight, from pirate stories like Treasure Island, are the pieces of silver used to pay for porcelain and goods from Asia. Galleons were the largest ships made in Europe up until this point, and they were always groaning under the weight of silver or trade goods, like chocolate.
1: According to the Augustinian chronicler Gaspar de San Agustin, cacao beans were first brought to the Philippines by a sea pilot named Pedro Bravo, who entrusted them to a priest named Bartolomé Bravo in Camarines. But the Franciscans and the Jesuits also take credit for bringing the beloved bean
0: to the islands. We know from Ramon Reyes Lala's book, The Philippine Islands, quoted in Ambeth Ocampo's 2016 article, Chocolate in History, that Filipinos kept cacao trees in small groves, sending a few beans back to Spain but keeping the bulk of them to make into chocolate or champorado.
1: And if you're getting hungry, remember, We warned you that for this episode, you're gonna need snacks. I
0: could go for some chocolate right now. Chocolate is the Filipino version of
1: chocolato. While theirs was a bitter and spicy drink, ours is a delightfully sweet drink made with evaporated or condensed milk and beaten with a batirol, a traditional wooden whisk. Mexico has a similar tool to the batirol. Theirs is called a molinillo. So much of our food and drink actually have Mexican influences because of the Manila-Acapulco galleon trade. But of all of them, chocolate is our favorite.
0: Chocolate flourished here, and we became a producer of cacao. But since then, we've developed our own taste for chocolate, one that brings in the unique flavors of our different regions. Up next, you'll hear what it's like to produce chocolate in the Philippines, straight from a Filipino chocolatier. All this chocolate talk has me drooling for cake.
1: And brownies. And do you think there's such a thing as chocolate soup?
0: Ang tawag dun sab Champurado. And in any case, if you want all of these things so badly, just order them online. I'll share ko vouchers. Ko. You don't understand, Siege. I want them now. Then make them yourself. There are so many great recipes and tutorials online that there's no reason not to dive in. Lots of people have turned their interests into hobbies, and even businesses, with the lessons that they've learned. True,
1: and because I have Unley fiber and whole home Wi-Fi coverage with speeds of up to 1,000 Mbps thanks to PLDT Home, I can reach out to local chocolate sources and take classes from local chocolatiers and satisfy my cravings. Not just for food, but for learning about food history.
0: That's the spirit. The more you learn about our history, the more you can appreciate what we have today. So, let's live our best digital lives, whether it comes to history or food.
1: Your digital lifestyle is best experienced with the Philippines' fastest broadband of the first half of the year. Awarded by the Ucla Speed Test Awards. And that's PLDT Home.
0: Visit pldthome.com slash Fiber Plus to learn more. That's pldthome.com slash plus. And now, back to the episode.
1: Cacao beans can grow all over the Philippines And so chocolate is part of the food culture of different provinces My grandma grew up in Batanga, So she swore by Batangas Tablea
0: I used to work for a travel show And every province we went to There was some delicacy made with chocolate has moron, a sticky rice cake Cooked in coconut milk and filled with chocolate Tabu has chocolate-covered dried mangoes. Bohol serves chocolate calamay, a sticky pudding with coconut milk and brown sugar. But beyond
1: our traditional chocolate products, in recent years, we've seen the rise of Filipino-made chocolate brands that represent the future of our cacao industry.
2: So hi, my name is Philo Chua. I'm the founder of Tea Chocolate. Chocolates. I eat chocolate almost every day, but only small bites. <laughs> I just love the process of creating something. Even when I was a kid, I always liked to make stuff. Something creative, like some handicraft, arts and craft. That's what really gets me going. To be able to create something, right? And then share it with everybody.
0: In the early two thousands, Philo was working in the States.
2: And while I was there living by myself, I had to cook for myself. So that leads to cooking and baking. And then from baking, paran and gangsama chocolates. And then there was this one shop that featured like chocolates from all over the world. They were featuring single origin chocolates. And that really intrigued me.
1: Philo had already been thinking of coming
0: back to the Philippines.
2: Out of the blue, I just thought, like, hey, wouldn't well, it be great? Nah, we have like chocolate where we use Philippine cacao. So that's where the idea was more, and then you know.
0: One problem he faced, despite our history and love for chocolate, it was hard to find cacao at the time.
2: So during that time, it's not like right now where it, there's a lot of people going into cacao planting or where there's like a booming cacao industry right now. Back then people have stopped planting cacao already like maybe late 1980s or something around that time switched to like mango crops or other crops no because they didn't find cacao to be profitable anymore so when i came back i actually had trouble finding cacao because there wasn't a lot of sources for cacao so i was just like you know wherever i can find cacao, that's where i will get (laughs) so it just so happened that you know i was searching a lot of message boards and then one thing led to another got in touch to a professor in mindanao and then he was able to like bring me around to some farms.
0: Philo started with two bars, 44% milk and 70% dark chocolate. They were focused on the idea of creating high-quality versions of these classics. But their company really took off once things started getting creative.
2: At the start, it was mainly getting like classic flavors and then putting a Filipino twist on it. Dark chocolate with orange is a very European flavor, a very classic European flavor. What's another citrus that we can use? So that's why we decided to use Calamansi.
1: While European brands had crispy chocolate made with Rice Krispies, Theo and Philo came out with Pili Nuts and pig. They then started experimenting with flavor combos that were Filipino through and through.
2: For example, the green mango and salt, well, that's really very I don't know, unique by itself. But that was something that a friend recommended. I was originally going to just use like you know, green mango and chocolate, but then, hey, well, why don't we add salt also? For more of like the street snack or how you would eat like the green mango. These days, how we come up with flavors now is really looking more at what ingredients we have here in the Philippines, trying to make use of it. So we try to always integrate uh, local flavors, local ingredients with our chocolate.
0: They even have adobo. And if you're thinking, what? Stay there. We'll try it in a bit. For now, though, Philo says the industry has changed a lot since they started in 2007. It's a different time with different challenges.
2: Definitely. Right now, there's almost an abundance of cacao. Unfortunately, there's not as many processors right now. Because technically, here in the Philippines, our consumption rate of chocolate is not as high as other countries. So there's a kind of imbalance right now where there's slight overproduction of cacao beans compared to what's being demanded by the market.
0: Local artisanal companies like Theo and Philo put a lot of effort into quality and unique flavors.
2: Well, obviously, one of the main challenges is the price point, you know, especially in a country like the Philippines, where our spending power is not as big as other countries may be. Our prices are higher than supermarket chocolate, so sometimes people will ask, why would I buy your products when like an imported chocolate may cost less than ours, right? So we really have to make sure that we're producing something different, something unique, that it's not an apple-to-apple comparison.
1: And what about what comes next? What new products have you guys got in the mix?
2: We're coming up with chocolate-covered nuts. It's a different line of products. We are always like to try to experiment and try to innovate beyond just a chocolate bar, so watch out for it.
0: <laughs> By the time this episode comes out, those new products will be out too. Check out their new line that combines chocolate and nuts at TheoAndFillo.com. But to move the industry forward, Filipino chocolatiers like Philo don't just have to create products. They also have to go the extra mile to teach people to appreciate the potential of our chocolate.
2: It's a slow process, definitely. <laughs> it's doing things like this that really helps it get the word out there. I've done a lot of like you know, small talks here and there just talking about chocolate, how it's made. That's really how you do it because hey, there's no other way. It really takes a lot to slowly get to know more and more about the industry and how it's made. I guess one good thing is uh, we used to do it in Kawad Kalingao in the Enchanted Farm in Bulacan. I would do like demos so that they would see personally how it's done.
1: Filipino chocolatiers tried to educate the public by reconnecting us to our cacao.
2: So they would get to understand, try to connect with where does our chocolate come from, how it's made, who are the people involved the farmers to the processors. One sad thing about the industrialization of things, you know, although we benefit a lot from it, there's always a disconnect between the products and how it's made right? before making chocolate. You know, I didn't even know what a cacao bean looks like.
0: The next level our cacao industry can reach for, says Philo, is maturity. A future where Filipino consumers fully appreciate the product, when Filipino producers are recognized for it, and when the Philippines is seen as a significant player in the global cacao scene.
1: The Philippines is still far from being a major producer. Most of the world's cacao comes from West Africa. Chances are the mass-produced chocolate you get in the grocery is made with ingredients from Ghana and the Ivory Coast.
0: This tells us that small countries can become a player or a major supplier. But Philo reminds us that as we grow the Philippine industry, we need to avoid some of the questionable labor practices that are happening in those countries.
2: At the same time, we don't want to get into the same boat that Ghana and Ivory Coast are in right now, wherein they may be producing more than half of the world's cacao, but then the prices are so low that actually the farmers are being exploited or not being paid very well.
1: There are two ways for a government to look at chocolate. One is as a commodity to be traded, like wood, wheat, or livestock. It's all about volume. But there's another way to position your chocolate industry, highlighting its quality. The industry term is fine-flavored chocolate.
2: Uh, one nice thing that the government did right now is that they really uh, position Philippine cacao as a fine flavor cacao. We're seen less as a commodity, but, but uh, something more of like a high-value crop.
0: That helps unlock fairer pay for our products, but it's just one step. There's also the whole game of branding, awards, and international recognition.
2: To be considered as a fine flavor, you also have, need to register your country in the ICCO.org, International Cocoa Organization. Afterwards, you need to back it up with some data or with instances to justify that you are a fine flavor. Companies like us and all these other chocolate brands here in the Philippines, but we're all joining these competitions right, and winning awards.
0: It translates to higher prices, but it makes for a more sustainable industry long-term and helps keep quality high. And it just feels right for our cacao farmers and chocolate companies to get the recognition because deserve naman deserve it. They earned it.
2: This year, we had three farmers who was able to enter the world's 50 best that's coming from the Philippines. For the last three instances of the world's 50 best cacao, we're always in that world's 50 best. We're getting better and better.
1: think we'd talk about chocolate without trying it, right?
0: We got ourselves some bars and did a little taste test of our own. We recorded this in our houses during lockdown, so you might notice a difference in how we sound. Okay, so we're here and we're gonna try some of the Theo and Philo chocolate bars. Sap, what do you have?
1: I have a 65% dark chocolate with green mango and salt and the milk chocolate adobo, which is the one I'm super looking forward to. The packaging, let's start with the packaging,
0: is so cute that I want to keep it and give it to my Lola. Right now I'm holding the 60% dark chocolate with ginger and mint, and it has a geometric design made out of dragonflies and mint leaves and ginger. And it's this beautiful, it has gold metallic accents in the packaging. You know, I I just love that there's Filipino wildlife all throughout this packaging. It feels really ours. It almost makes you feel bad about tearing the paper. So let's try some, shall we? Yeah. Let's start with the 65% dark chocolate with green mango and sea salt, which we both have. This won bronze at the Academy of Chocolate in 2019. Oh, the bar is so beautiful. It's got. How do you describe this? I'm already eating mine here. <laughs> <laughs> wait,
1: wait for me.
0: Okay, how is it? Self? It's
1: so good. I couldn't stop. It's so good. The salt gives it like a little edge to the sweetness.
0: What do you think? I like it. So this one has. Mm. The texture of the mango is kind of like dried mango. But it's green mango, it's a bit sour.
1: Yeah, I like the sour. I didn't think I would because it's like milky, you don't usually want sour, but no, this is really good. And so now Siege is going to try the milk chocolate and make me jealous.
0: Oh, this one smells good. This is, um, it's very creamy. And what surprised me about it, the moment that I put it in my mouth, I realized that if you're coming from a place of growing up on Hershey bars, this is going to taste very different for you. Because Hershey bars hit you with sugar.
1: It hits you first with the sweetness, and you almost don't feel the creaminess. It tastes toasted. Oh man, now I wish I had gotten it. Shall we do the adobo? Yes. This is the one I've been really looking forward to because it's milk chocolate adobo. And like, that's so weird. It won the World International Chocolate Awards in 2018, silver, and the Academy of Chocolate Silver winner
0: 2018. Woo! Right. On the back of the packaging, it says milk chocolate with soy sauce toffee. (sighs) Toffee. Soy sauce toffee and black pepper Soy sauce toffee That's so interesting Interesting Hold on Okay, right, here we go Step. Okay, wait One One Two three. three Oh, that's so layered What's happening?
1: <laughs> <laughs> the toffee hits you first So you're like Oh, this is just toffee I know what this is And then the pepper hits And you're like Oh, God what? What's happening?
0: This is a lot of flavors. And then there's a saltiness all throughout. It's saltiness, but it doesn't taste like salt. It tastes like soy sauce. Yeah, it does actually kind of taste like soy sauce in the milk chocolate. The longer you melt it in your mouth, the more it tastes like ulam. <laughs> What's this chunky bit? Oh, it's a toffee. Yeah. The crunchy stuff is the toffee. Yeah. I never thought there would be an umami chocolate bar. This is so umami. This is so good. This is so Pinoy. (laughs) I think
1: a good entry point would be the green mango and salt. It's pretty typical, not typical, but a little bit more traditional. And like, it's very Filipino. The green mango is so Filipino. So that's nice. And then if you're more adventurous, that's when you go for the milk chocolate adobo because it's, unique
0: for me I would say start with the milk chocolate because it's always good to start with the basics and then try and get more crazy and then have a second bar have the ginger and then when you're ready to get really out there try the adobo if you like your chocolate purely sweet this might not be for you but if you like unexpected combinations and if we want to taste something that i doubt you'll find anything else like this in the whole world this is what we try
1: i think that speaks to what Phila was saying like we can be the capital of chocolate for asia like we have these weird and interesting flavors that can only be found here so we should take advantage of them they're so good and it's
0: it's so fun there's so much personality in this chocolate which you won't have in the mass-produced big brands like a Hershey or a Cadbury.
1: It's our patriotic duty to eat more chocolate.
0: Back to our episode. Not only are Filipino chocolates delicious, they're a piece of our heritage
1: and a taste of what could be the future of the industry.
2: We should be called uh, like the Asian <laughs> chocolate capital. Maybe, why not, <laughs> right? Let's <As> are <they're> big. <laughs>
0: Philo's message to people, both here in the Philippines and abroad, learn about chocolate history, enjoy chocolate in the present, and be part of building the future of chocolate.
1: We were the first ones in Asia to have chocolate. We have been connected to the origins of chocolate for centuries. And yet, when we think of great chocolate, we often think of European chocolate. But historically, the raw ingredients don't grow in their land. They purchase cacao from other countries.
0: You know who grows their own chocolate? we do.
2: Please give Filipino chocolates a chance. Arts might be even better by supporting local chocolate makers or even other local companies. They're really helping make a better community for us all around. In the eyes of the global consumer, when they come to the Philippines, they actually see a lot of things that are great, a lot of things that are unique and special. So let's not think of them as just Lang 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 na para. lang yan, no? Let's look at them in a whole different way that it's actually something great.
1: A lot of plants that we associate with places actually have different origins. Take tomatoes, for example. They're not Italian. They come from the Americas and were brought to Europe by trade. But the Italians have had them for so long and made so much of them, you can't think of Italian food without tomatoes. The Philippines has had chocolate for centuries. It started as a crop introduced by our colonizers, but we've made it our own. And what comes next is up to us.
0: One thing's for sure, it's gonna be delicious. we like to end with something weird and wonderful from Filipino history and this time, it comes straight from Noli Mitangere. That's right. The classic novel all of us had to read in high school makes an appearance. In chapter 11 of Noli, the alferez or lieutenant general warns Spaniards that they might be offered a cup of chocolate. And the kind of chocolate tells you how important you are in the eyes of the server.
1: Are you going over there to the convento to visit that sanctimonious rascal there, that little curate? Yes, well, if he offers you chocolate, which I doubt. But if he offers it, remember this. If he calls to the servant and says, Juan, make a cup of chocolate, eh? Then stay without fear. But if he calls out, Juan, make a cup of chocolate, ah? Then take your hat and leave on a run. What? The startled visitor would ask, Does he poison people? Carambas! No man, not at all! What then? Chocolate eh, means thick and rich, while chocolate ah, means watered and thin. And that's basically a diss. Chocolate could be expensive, making it took work, so it was a common practice to water down the chocolate for less prominent guests.
0: If you're having trouble remembering, excellent! And ah, ito lang. Rest assured that for any of our listeners, we'd give you chocolate eh, if we could.
1: Class dismissed.
0: Subscribe to WhatsApp at our link Panlipunan Rebooted on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Join the discussion
1: and get your dose of Philippine history trivia. Follow us on Twitter at History Rebooted, on Facebook.com slash History Rebooted, and on Instagram at History.Rebooted. If you go there now, you'll see my recipe for Tableo brownies. It's my little way of supporting locally grown chocolate.
0: Once again, I'm Siege Tantenko, Puma Podcast. I'm on social media at Siege the Day because that's what we should do. Live life to the fullest.
1: And I'm Sab Schnabel, Puma Podcast. I'm on Twitter at Sabrina Schnabel, that's S-C-H-N-A-B-E-L. It rhymes with fable. This episode of WhatsApp, Araling Panlipunin Rebooted, was produced by Josa Quinones and edited by Nina Toralba.